Hello everybody and welcome to Nintendo Week for the end of week of November 4th through November 10th. I'm your host, Colin McIsaac, and as always, I'm joined by Alex Plant. The Plant List. And Ben Lemoreau. I don't even know how to respond to that. We've got a pretty packed episode for you guys this week, including tons of talk from Nintendo about NX, mobile plans, the return of Nintendo Directs coming this Thursday. Woo! There's tons more. Yokai watches out. The Game Awards are returning. This might be one of our biggest episodes yet for news. This week's discussion segment is all about the Nintendo Direct. We're going to go over, uh, you know, what to expect, our thoughts, predictions, yada yada. So before we jump into the Nintendo-specific news, we're going to talk about a scary little issue that's going to affect everyone in gaming, you know, YouTubers, modders, even you readers and listeners maybe. Uh, you may have heard of this thing called the Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement, which has been a subject of a lot of political talk lately. Some of the details of the agreement recently leaked online, and we posted a video from a YouTuber named Tarmac that breaks down what it could mean for gaming. If you want the super specific details, be sure to check out our story at Gamnesia, and we encourage you to read the thornier legalese if you're willing, but here's the short version, bear with me here. The TPP will affect several facets of the gaming industry, including copyright law and fair use. Some of the biggest proposals it makes include tightening certain laws on trade secrets, which could criminalize the kinds of stuff done by archives like Unseen 64 and The Cutting Room Floor, and also restricting activities like ROM hacking and modding your games. There's no limit to how much the rights holders can seek in damages from people who do these kinds of things, so certain modders could, in theory, fall like hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt for little things. Law enforcement could destroy certain objects of your personal property, including the computer you used to make it. And to top it all off, the language of the entire bill is pretty vague, so even if you've done nothing wrong, too bad. Now, most of this is actually already in effect under U.S. law, and it has been for a while. You know, we haven't heard of any of these atrocities because rights holders realize, you know, these people are harmless. But the TPP would extend these laws across the globe, so we don't know how it could affect you guys in the UK, Australia, Japan. Uh, and as I understand, a another Gamnesia staffer was explaining uh, some of this to me earlier today, it also means that these laws would be ratified internationally. So if an issue does arise where a rights holder is demanding just ridiculous punishment, it'd be significantly harder to challenge their authority on a legal level. But Alex, I know you had uh, something to say on that point. So there are a few layers to understand about TPP. First of all, it's that it's not directly banning any kind of behavior. It's just asking countries to enact laws around certain kinds of behavior, like, for example, circumventing DRM, uh, which you know is often associated with piracy, uh, posting copyrighted material on YouTube, which we've already seen people have automatic takedowns in the U.S. That's those sorts of rules might be applied abroad. Uh, it's, it's it's a lot of it's about things like that. Mm -hmm. It also allows those countries to, in some cases, create exceptions to these rules. So, for example, uh, it mentions that there are po potential non-infringing uh, possibilities for uh, modding games and circumventing DRM for the sake of, like, archiving or for modding games for your personal use and things like that. So it's not quite the sort of end-of-the-world scenario that a lot of people are talking about. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it is valid that, you know... These laws don't exist everywhere, and we're basically applying a lot of the U.S. model, uh, for example, the uh, provision on uh, takedown notices for, for infringing YouTube content. So a lot of those laws don't exist in other places, and we'll be applying those rules across the board. Yeah, and a lot of people tend to think that a lot of the U.S.'s laws involving copyright are pretty ridiculous. So, uh, you know, even if even if it ha is already in the U.S., you know, uh, like, for example, one of the things that this would do is extends internationally that IP is only in the public domain after the creator of the IP dies and then 70 years have gone by after the death, which 
there's a legal argument around. I tend to think that's ridiculous. Um, but, you know, stuff, stuff like that that people already contest uh, that's law in the U.S. could be international law. Yeah, and, you know, like, like you said, this is an international treaty. So, you know, if, if a law gets passed in the U.S. that we don't like, you know, eventually enough public outcry can, can help overturn it. But since this is an international deal, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be that simple to back out of something if it's proven that it's not working or that it's being exploited. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like you said, right now, a lot of these laws already exist in the U.S., and it's not the doomsday scenario that people fear. But, you know, there's there's a lot of vague language in a lot of places where, you know, maybe we haven't seen it exploited yet, but the potential is there. Yeah, and if sure. this then becomes law, you know, international, there can be problems. And yeah. I think a big problem with it is, is just that... Um, Technology evolves faster than bureaucracy can keep up with. <laughs> oh yeah. And when you have when you have new technology, you have to make, you know, new laws for it. But this is something like a 5,000-page document that is, you know, being put together and voted on by people that you know don't fully understand it. And, you know, when when you're making this something international, then that's that's a really big problem. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, if you are, you know, interested in learning more, if you're interested in learning how you can try to stop this, uh, you know, you can check out our article at Gamnesia. You can check out, uh, we encourage you to read more on the internet. Uh, Bernie Sanders wants to eliminate the TPP if that's <laughs> any worth to you. If you're over 18. The full text is available now on the, uh, United States trade representative website. So you can find the full text now. You don't have to look for WikiLeaks or something like that. You might remember from last week, Nintendo held their investors Q&A, and the answers are now available in English, so we've got a slew of stories there. We're going to go over the most interesting ones here on the show, but there are more available to read at Amnesia.com, so be sure to head over there if you want to learn all of it. First of all, one investor asked Miyamoto for a profit projection for Nintendo's mobile games. Instead of giving numbers, he said that Nintendo is good at flexibly deciding how to spend its resources while also looking for, quote, the next big thing. He pointed out some historical examples, like launching the Donkey Kong arcade game when Game & Watch was still profitable, and launching Famicom and NES when their arcade business was still earning stable profits, and he believes that though Nintendo's dedicated hardware business is still profitable, some of their mobile games could indeed be the next big thing, and they don't want to let that opportunity slide. He reiterated, too, that Nintendo is more concerned with drawing people into Nintendo's dedicated ecosystem through their mobile games rather than making profits off of the mobile games themselves. Miyamoto also stated that Nintendo wants to apply their experience in designing console games to creating new styles of games for the mobile market rather than only to iterate on styles of games that are already popular, you know, like Endless Runners, Flappy Flappers... You don't want to play Flappy Kirby? I mean, I do, but... <laughs> so, you know, I, I think it's kind of amusing to to think of mobile games as the next big thing when it's been the big the big thing for, you know, multiple years now. <laughs> but he, uh, he does clarify later, you know, that they're hoping to create brand new styles of games. I don't know what that means exactly. You know, he said they have a lot of experience innovating on handhelds and consoles, and now they're going to do that on mobile as well. Uh, so, you know, obviously it's very vague. We, we don't know where they're going with it yet. But what I find actually kind of interesting is the comparison he draws to, you know, what Nintendo has done in the past, where, you know, they were doing good in arcades, but then they launched a home console. And uh, he even, you know, said in that little speech that eventually Nintendo transitioned away completely from arcades to home consoles. And they've, they've repeatedly said that that's not the plan with their mobile games. And I, I don't know if he was just sort of drawing the comparison, but, you know, not really equating the two situations i think he was i think it's or, or if, you know yeah uh, it's 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 just very odd to you know specifically bring up the transition from arcade to home console as that became a, a permanent transition rather than you know two side-by-side -side businesses yeah i don't know i don't i mean arcades you could kind of tell would die once video games were brought into the home um 
mobile markets and console markets are super, super different. So I, you know, as long as the console market is alive, at least for the foreseeable future, you know, if, if NX just bombs horribly and they can only afford to put games on mobile platforms, you know, that could be. But I don't think that he's equating it, you know, for any particularly cryptic reason. Well, I'll chime in with this. Uh, I don't think the comparison's being made, you know, in the sense that they're saying we're going to abandon home consoles for the next big thing. I think the comparison is more about Nintendo being kind of at its best during these kinds of transition phases where they're they're moving into a new space for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, like NES was huge, but that was really, it, in, in some sense, it was arcade games at home, but it was also much, much more than arcade games at home. Uh, so likewise with Wii, Wii was... You know, it was a it was a game platform, but it was a game platform that's completely unlike any of the other game platforms that were out at the time. Uh, yeah. And I think they see mobile games the same way. Yeah. One investor pointed out that Splatoon is selling very well and asked Nintendo about the issues that they face in creating more new IP. Kamishima replied that creating new IP one after another does not yield good results, and Nintendo has to make sure that the new IP always do something original. Shinya Takahashi, the general manager of Nintendo EPD, those guys are the division they created in September when they merged their two big teams, uh, he added that Splatoon was created by gathering the power of Nintendo's younger development staff, which Kamishima said is something that they're trying to promote within the company. Takahashi also pointed out that Nintendo has to focus on keeping old IP popular with younger audiences, and their mobile venture is an important step in doing that. I'm gonna question the wisdom that uh, creating new IP one after another does not yield good results because on the one hand Nintendo was kicking with NES and pretty much everything on NES was a new IP uh, except for Mario and second of all we're seeing the pattern of new IP doing rather well on new platforms even today with PlayStation 4 and Xbox Uh, sure the the old mainstays are still like the king I would say yeah, Fallout, GTA, but, of course, Halo. But Destiny and Bloodborne and games like that are really establishing a strong foothold and, and really, in, in some ways, defining this generation. So I question the wisdom. I, I think they would be doing better if they were more f- invested in creating new IP. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think in Nintendo's mind, it's it's kind of a situation where they believe they have to build up a larger audience with their core established IP before they can really, you know, branch out into new things. They, they kind of feel like they're not hitting their bread and butter well enough and they can't move on to something new until they, they do They can't that. add the cinnamon sugar on top. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, <laughs> like you said, Alex, I don't know if that's necessarily true. You know, we've seen, uh, you know, other, other new IP do very well, and Splatoon is obviously doing ex- extremely well. Already about one out of every four Wii U owners own Splatoon. So I I understand the concern on Nintendo's part, but I think they could be a little more proactive in creating new franchises. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think they're coming towards this with the attitude that new IP is best when it's uh, inspired by a new idea. And that is how, you know, every element of, of the aesthetics and the attitudes of the characters and who they are, the worlds they're in, you know, that all ties together at the heart of the game, which is the gameplay. And if there's any sort of dissonance between those elements you know, then then that hurts the brand value of the IP, um, or at least the quality of the IP, whether or not the brand is strong. Um, and so I think they're looking at that and saying, you know, we really need to build new IP out of new game ideas so that those IP are as strong as they can possibly be. Whereas I respect that a lot, 
I disagree with it because Alex, a great point that you brought up was Destiny, which is another shooter. Like, <laughs> there's not really a lot that it does it's, differently. It's from got like else. one or two novelties that it kind of revolves around, but mechanically, it's very much a shooter. Yeah, um, y- you know, it, and and those novelties are not significant enough that that it really sort of defines the game and defines why people were so excited about it in the first place. You know, mostly I think it was a a big budget, new IP. It was well marketed. People got excited for it. Um, You know, it was just the buildup of hype around it. So, and of course, Destiny is another good example because famously a lot of people were disappointed by it. So, you know, you don't necessarily need a strong, completely unified idea that, that is sort of the, the, perfection in every possible way in order to put out a new IP that's good and strong and gets people interested and can foster sequels and profits. Right. And, you know, in, in addition to all of that, I I love Nintendo's plan to try to, you know, familiarize their, their classic IP people their classic IP classic with people. their classic IP people <laughs> coming next from Apple. Um, oh God! Uh, trying to promote their classic IP through mobile games. You know that's something I've been saying they should do for years. Mm-hmm. But in addition, there's also I, I think that's geared mostly towards attracting young gamers who you know didn't grow up with you know Mario and Link and Donkey Kong and so on. But I think you also have plenty of old gamers who could still be Nintendo fans, but that just aren't that excited about Mario anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think that creating new IP that can excite those those you know classic nintendo fans who maybe aren't in the fold anymore i think that's important too another investor asked nintendo executives if they plan to coordinate with social media more in the future coming off of the news that nintendo accounts will work with facebook twitter and google uh, kamishima said that allowing people to make a nintendo account with facebook and twitter means that nintendo can provide messages and various services directly to the users which hopefully will in turn lead them to purchasing nintendo content on their smart devices Shinya Takahashi added that Nintendo plans to, quote, keep coordinating with Facebook and Twitter, which they expect will help spread mainstream awareness of Nintendo and their brands. I can't say that I'm super confident in Nintendo's ability to leverage social media, just what we've seen based on what we've seen so far. So, you know, I I think allowing people to sign up for this Nintendo account with basically any form of social media, email, etc., I think it's great. But uh, I'll believe the part about them then being really good at spreading Nintendo information through those channels when I see it. Well, we've seen viral Facebook stuff sort of start to gain steam. Um, We've seen Nintendo go in those trending topics a little bit, especially, you know, with the uh, collaboration on Super Mario Maker and collaborating with the Nintendo accounts a little bit, I could see them sort of saying, hey, uh, Zuckerberg, mind giving us a little bump in your algorithms there? And well, yeah, the I'd like for favor. them to do that. Um, you mentioned the Super Mario Maker promotion, and I, I don't think I did really ever see that trending on Facebook, whereas, you know, some of the more recent things we have seen, but I don't know if that's because of a, a partnership with Facebook or just because it's, you know, people promoting it. Well, I think Facebook has been doing more recently to refine their algorithms about like what's trending and to draw people mm-hmm. towards those trending topics um you know really disseminating the information better i and i've noticed that distinctly since super mario maker not you know immediately after but in that time since that promotion i've noticed that facebook's been doing a lot of this and so i think that's sort of an opportunity that nintendo can use uh to promote that kind of stuff I think one of the flaws with their approach to social networking so far, and this applies not just to Facebook and Twitter, but also to their philosophy for Miiverse when they first announced it, which was, you know, we use Miiverse to promote our games. It really boils down to the fact that 
you know, just because they're on these platforms and just because they're providing content through these platforms doesn't mean that that content is connecting with people. And we've sort of been alluding to this already. But, you know, one of the things that they could do better is to communicate more through the traditional marketing channels uh, like trailers and uh, commercials and create things like that people want to share in social media. Like we saw tons of excitement around the Star Wars trailer. And I know Star Wars is like this massive cultural event, but you could imagine Nintendo trying to orchestrate a cultural event around one of their games. And it just like Pokemon Go. Right. Pokemon Go was actually a really good example, yeah, but you, that, that was trending like crazy. But the fact that we're yeah, able to call it out as right. a good example just speaks to how poorly Nintendo's been executing on this. In general, in general, Pokemon yeah. Go is representative of what they should be doing for almost everything, um, trailer-wise at least, yeah, yeah. Um, promotion-wise. But the the other thing they need to do with social media is stickers, Facebook stickers. I know it's not you know gonna like sell a lot for their games or anything, but getting sort of those faces like Animal Crossing stickers, Kirby stickers, they have Splatoon stickers on that Japanese messaging service. Uh, those things they're cute and people love stickers, and you know that's that's a way to get people sort of aware, oh, these characters are here, these characters are appealing to me, and, you know, some people then will say, oh, these are Nintendo characters, and say, I could play these video games. These look cool. Yeah, we see it with movies, we see it with Kushin, like, why not Nintendo characters? Yeah, and, you know, it doesn't even necessarily have to tie directly into sales, it's just about making sure that the characters are known, because the stronger the characters are, the stronger their games will sell, the stronger the brand will sell, the stronger the brand will be for anything they do, period. Especially with with younger people, because, you know, like I said, where the current generation, you know, a lot less people grew up with the, you know, the characters that we grew up and knew and loved, because... You know, a lot more people own phones and tablets rather than Nintendo handheld devices. Mm-hmm. You know, the the DS generation, obviously, you know, lots of kids played with DS, but the 3DS generation, it's it's been a sharp decline in sales, which means a, a sharp decline in young people being familiarized with Nintendo's IP. Yeah. The first game in the Yokai Watch series has launched on 3DS in North America, and it's pulling in mostly positive reviews. It's got a 77 on Metacritic with 11 positive reviews, 7 mixed, and 0 negative. Everyone seems to agree that the game is charming, fun, and comparable to Pokemon. On the negative side, though, some thought that it lacks depth, while others found the battle system repetitive and disengaging. I don't think none of us have tried it, you know, in full, have we? No, I was. Uh, I didn't even download the demo. I've been planning to, but I've just yeah. been busy. Yeah, I've been too busy too. I feel which is like unfortunate. I feel like the results we're seeing so far aren't too surprising, though. I mean, it's never gonna in in the, in the states anyway. It's never gonna have the impact that Pokemon did. Um, I don't think the the anime has connected with people in the same way that Pokemon did. Like, there's so many right. factors that are working against this game that I, I would well, just be amazed. Well, I think, if isn't Yokai Watch 2, like, the one that blew the doors open really in Japan? Wasn't that Yeah, the one I mean, the really, first really one sold over a million, but the third one just, you know, third within one. a few weeks, I mean, the second one, I'm sorry, within a few weeks, the second one had outsold the first, and then they, you know, released, uh, you know, a third version and spinoffs, and it's just continued to grow. Yeah, so maybe we'll see a bigger boom when they bring Yokai Watch 2 out. Yeah, yeah. Well, and especially, that's so. that's got the, uh, the, the two versions like Pokemon as well. Yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> we'll we'll talk more about Yokai Watch in the future when we can all do it better justice. Uh, currently, this topic actually came up like really soon before we started recording this. Uh, Nintendo World Report reports that Xenoblade Chronicles X has a larger open world than Skyrim, Fallout 4, and The Witcher 3 combined. That is... It may be true. We don't know. But certainly the methods by which they tried to prove it are 
flawed nonsense. and biased. <laughs> non, just <laughs> nonsense. I'm I'm sorry to say that, but don't 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 believe that. Yeah, certainly not based on that. Um, so to to clarify for readers, so the the method they used, at least to compare Skyrim to Xenoblade X, was they ran from the east end of the Skyrim map to the west end, I believe, uh, which as anyone should know, is not the the longest route they could have taken. They should have gone from diagonal to diagonal. Um, whereas for the Xenoblade map, which is kind of shaped like a T, they ran over all the continents, which means they weren't going in a straight line. And uh, to top it off, I think they used multiple transportation methods. I don't know how that would quite affect it. I Just I the whole thing is... Enough about the whole thing is flaw, a flawed comparison, though. So Yeah, don't believe it. Uh, you know, if... We'll we'll find more reliable methods of measuring you know stuff like this in the future. For now, at least this report. Don't listen. Yeah. Nintendo is launching a new bundle for Wii U, which includes both Splatoon and Smash Bros. pre-installed on the system for just three hundred dollars. A huge steal considering those two games. And on Black Friday, you'll be able to get that bundle for two fifty. If that's not quite what you were looking for, Nintendo UK is letting you build your own Wii U bundle. You can choose from a selection of Wii U console bundles, ones that already have games in them, and a game or an extra controller, plus an amiibo, a Nintendo t-shirt, and a gift all in one bundle for £299. You can do the same thing with a new Nintendo 3DS for £199 or a new 3DS XL for £229. Man, custom bundles, what a great idea. Yeah, I think it's especially great that you get to, you know, toss in like a, a t-shirt and some sort of Nintendo related gift or whatever. This is this is perfect for a Christmas present. Like you can get your system and then, you know, give it an extra game or if you have, you know, like two kids or something throw in the extra controller, you can get a t-shirt. It's just it's awesome for that price. That's that's a really good deal and I wish they had something like that going on in North America right now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I love the idea of picking your game because, uh, you know, a lot of people, they're in it for the library over the long haul, but they really want to play a particular game at launch, and it may not be the game mm-hmm. that's included in the standard bundles. So, I mean, console makers, you really have nothing to lose by letting people pick their own game because they're going to buy more of your games anyway. <laughs> and then uh, for the other deal, uh, it's it's 250 at a couple places. Like, for instance, Target, they're... Uh, they don't actually have this official bundle, so instead they're selling a Wii U for $250 that comes with download codes for the two games instead of having them pre-installed. And then I believe the de- the same deal is going on at GameStop, but it's $279 instead of $249. Weak. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, so, our final story in the news segment. Last year was the first showing for the Game Awards, a new ceremony based on our lovely industry. And it's coming back this year on December 3rd. Reggie fils is one of many advisors on the show's board, so we're likely going to see something neat from Nintendo. Whether it's as neat as last year's Zelda U footage is another question, but it's good to see the TGA's return, and it's good to see Nintendo have some part. You know, with all the bugging people have directed at Reggie about, you know, showing a Metroid game... I would laugh my ass off if he showed Metroid Prime Federation Force. <laughs> oh, I don't think they're going to be talking about. That oh, I don't think so either at but, all. But it, until it comes out, but it seems like it, it seems like out. a Reggie vindictive sort of move. Yeah, I'm just wearing this pin because I like Metroid, <laughs> and then it turns out he was telling the total truth. Yeah, I know. I think it would uh, it'd be pretty fitting if they actually came back and gave us a. Uh, another look at Zelda U, and this time with a much more fleshed-out overworld, because that's the last time we saw Zelda U, was at the Game Awards, and, you know, everyone thought it looked good, and it was, you know, huge overworld, but that it was, you know, kind of 
lacking in terms of depth and content. Mm-hmm. And then they announced that they were delaying it to flush things out more. So I think this would be, you know, a great time to revisit it and say, you know, hey, you haven't seen this game in a year. Here's why. Here's what we were doing to improve your experience. Here's why it's going to be worth the wait. Yeah, completely agreed. I mean, and I think we've, we've talked about this on the show before. We all sort of tend to agree that the Game Awards reaction to Zelda U was not nearly as excited as they a, want people to be, and B, need people to be for Zelda U, especially in the the more widespread gaming audience that watches the TGAs and not just Nintendo fans. So I think this they want to use this as their opportunity to say, look, remember last year when we were trying to get you hyped about Zelda U and it worked only okay? Well, this year we're going to give you everything you wanted. You know, this is going to be an incredible game. Tingle confirmed. <laughs> yeah, if they're going to do that, though, for the love of God, show an actual trailer. Yeah, I don't think they'll make that mistake again. That was the, the the clearest fumble. As much as Nintendo fans sort of appreciate hearing from from Miyamoto and, and Aonuma, I don't think that's appropriate for the general audience. So, as always, to conclude the news segment of this week's show, we're bringing you a lightning round with little nuggets of information. If you want to read more about any of the stories we discussed above or anything you hear in the upcoming lightning round, you can check them out at Gamnesia.com. The latest podcast episode will show up in the scrolling feature bar at the top of the site, and on that page you'll see all of these links. First, we've got some recent releases and upcoming days to look out for. The final pack of free DLC for Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate is now available, and Yokai Watch is now available in North America. Nintendo is currently distributing a unique Zoroark to Pokemon Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire bleh, via Mystery Gift, uh, and you can get one until November 26th. The Neo Splushomatic, a new weapon, launched in Splatoon last night. November 12th, which is tomorrow, we're getting a Nintendo Direct at 2pm Pacific Time. November 13th, which is Friday, Animal Crossing Amiibo Festival launches in North America, and you can buy the Green Yarn Yoshi Amiibo without having to get the Woolly World bundle. Uh, November 15th, which is Sunday for Japan, but likely going to be Saturday night in the US, Junichi Masuda will appear on a Pokemon variety show in Japan, so stay tuned if there's Poke News. Uh, Also on the 15th, really the 15th this time, the Sunday, the Mega Yarn Yoshi Amiibo launches in North America exclusively at Toys R Us. And finally, November 23rd, Nintendo will be promoting uh, their products and malls uh, for a tour across the U.S. that will last through December 20th. Unfortunately, it's only uh, 16 malls, which seems like it's kind of a, a skimpy tour. Yeah, wonder if it's even worth it at that point. And then a few general facts from last week and reminders for you. Nintendo will start advertising Mitomo in January. The Villager Amiibo got restocked at Toys R Us. Destructoid reports that you can pre-order the Mewtwo Amiibo at Best Buy, but only in-store. The Falco Amiibo is exclusive to Blockbuster Video in Mexico. That is a sentence I never thought I would hear in my life. Mm -hmm. And Keiji Inafune, the man behind Mega Man and Mighty Number 9, says he would definitely create Amiibo if Nintendo gives him the chance. Two new glitches have been discovered in Super Mario Maker. One lets you center huge objects in one tile space, and the other involves exploding checkpoints. The update also adds a bunch of new courses and costumes, a Totem Link costume from Triforce Heroes, and a funny new Easter egg with the doors, so try knocking on those doors. And the creators of Mario Maker explain as well how they came up with the idea to use amiibo costumes. Splatoon is now 20% off for everyone who participated in the global test fires. Animal Crossing Amiibo Festival is $10 off on Amazon for Prime members. And the new Nintendo 3DS bundle with Happy Home Designer is $20 off at Amazon. An interview surfaced with the creator of the NES, which revealed a ton of cool information. You can find those stories at Gamnesia. The recently discovered Nintendo PlayStation prototype has been powered on and it works. And Liam Robertson, you may remember him, has discovered that Nintendo canceled a Wave Race game for the Wii. Uh, Wave Race fans, we're sorry. The new Bark Town theme from Pokemon Gold and Silver got a symphonic arrangement. It is gorgeous, thanks to Pokemon Reorchestrated. That's going to be this week's break music, but you can listen to the full version on YouTube. 
And finally, Metal Gear Solid's composer created a medley of Earthbound music in honor of Satoru Iwata. That will be this week's outro music, and you can get the full version on iTunes and Louder. So everybody, that is the end of this week's news segment. Stay tuned after the break music, and we will be back for discussing the Nintendo Direct, predictions, expectations, etc. everybody, we are back with more Nintendo Week, and I am your host, Colin McIsaac, joined as always by Alex Plant. Hey! And Ben LeMoreau. How's it going, everyone? So Nintendo has announced that the next Nintendo Direct is coming on November 12th, which is this Thursday at 2pm PST, 5pm EST. It's going to focus on upcoming titles for Wii U and 3DS, particularly those in spring. Nintendo says it will not, will not include anything about NX or any of Nintendo's mobile plans. Uh, They're also doing a Nintendo Direct in Japan. It will be hosted by Shigeki Morimoto, who hosted their Direct back in May. So, we thought we would share with you guys, you know, what we think we and you should expect from the Nintendo Direct. You know, not get expectations too high, not get them too low, maybe get them too low if you want. (laughs) Um, but, uh, expectations, predictions maybe that we've got, um, you know, our thoughts on the timing on this sort of stuff. So I think the first thing on everyone's mind is at some point in the direct, they're probably going to have some sort of tribute for Satoru Iwata. I would hope so. I mean, I wonder who's I'd be surprised if that wasn't the case. What excites me though, and, and this is a reason I think to have some hype for this direct is that it's a global direct. It's not just uh, North America it's, or in Europe, it's, it's global, which means we could see a global announcement. And I think we all know which global announcement we're expecting. The Pokemon GTS is getting an update. <laughs> <laughs> nah, Twilight Princess HD. Come on. Yeah, yeah. yeah Twilight Princess. Yeah. I agree. Um, well, then, uh, additionally, a lot of times when they hold a, uh, a Japanese Direct alongside a North American one, it's because there's some third-party stuff that we're just never going to see in the West. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think Twilight Princess HD is definitely a great candidate for... Are you suggesting Attack of the Tokyo Monsters 2? I am not suggesting that at all. <laughs> I, th- I think you're projecting, Colin. <laughs> of course I'm projecting. I'm an actor. <laughs> Let's let's keep talking about Twilight Princess though, just for a second. What are we? Th- do you think they'll announce sort of any sort of release plans? Um, I think it'll probably mirror what we saw from Majora's Mask 3D last year, where they sort of said, you know, it'll be available spring. I think I think we'll have a little bit more certainty than we did with Majora's Mask though, because they were intentionally timing that game to release with the new 3DS uh, in the mm-hmm. West, um, and that's not gonna. I don't. I. I don't think they're planning on release, releasing like a Wii U Slim or something like that. So I don't expect that they'll have those sorts of uh, timing issues. Right. Um, right. What I'm interested in, though, uh, you know, about Twilight Princess HD is, you know, we're about to head into the 30th anniversary of the Zelda series. So one mm-hmm. would think that with Twilight Princess HD, that would be sort of their kickoff for the 30th anniversary. Uh, mm-hmm. So will we well, see... Well, like Ocarina of Time 3D was. Right. So will we see this sort of as a lead-in to their 30th anniversary plans? Maybe we'll see the logo for that teased. 
um, possibly more plans, although I don't think they'd reveal that till you know we get to next year. What do you guys think? I think that's a really, really good bet. I am also willing to hedge my bets on that, but I don't know that like a trailer or any sort of, I don't know that there's a whole lot to get excited about. You know, I can imagine the Symphony of the Goddesses will get more tour dates. Um, I mean, Zelda U, of course, but I don't really know what else they could do that would be all that exciting. Yeah. Well, I mean. A 3DS theme. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, I mean, and, you know, this this actually goes back to what we were saying earlier about uh, the Game Awards. I think um, if if Twilight Princess HD gets announced, I think you could see them sort of collectively or just slowly building up hype for the Zelda 30th anniversary with Twilight Princess HD news now and then a few weeks with uh, Zelda U news yeah. at the Game Awards. So there's, there's definitely the opportunity there for them to start getting the ball yeah. rolling on some big things. Although I think, Alex, I, I hadn't thought of this as a 30th anniversary thing, but now I realize it totally could be. A Zelda Amiibo line. Yeah. Um, which, you know, Absolutely. that just... You know, they've got Mario there, I'm sure, going to have Pokemon. They've got Smash Bros. They've got Splatoon. They've got Animal Crossing. Of course they're going to have Zelda. The timing makes sense. Uh, I would imagine they'd sort of time it around Twilight Princess HD. But yeah, that could be a 30th anniversary announcement. Especially because the Link Amiibo is, like, by far the most popular Amiibo in the West. So yeah. So Zelda has extremely strong brand recognition, especially outside of Japan. Yeah, and my question, though, is whether it would be uh, based on the main series or whether they will do a sort of like a Hyrule Warriors thing and not necessarily make it the Hyrule Warriors line, because obviously that would have a lot less impact than the Zelda line. But, you know, take either the Hyrule Warriors characters and make Amiibos based on their classic design or the Hyrule Warrior characters and make Amiibos based on their Hyrule Warriors design. I don't know. And it's also possible, you know, given the number of, of iterations we've seen for Link and his design that we see, you know, multiple Link Amiibos. Oh, no. I mean... <laughs> Have the uh, the three from Triforce Hero. Or a totem Amiibo. One for each color of the four oh, swords. Oh, jeez. <laughs> no, I was just thinking, you know, classic Link, uh, Ocarina of Time yeah. Link. Yeah. Uh, you know, we already kind of have Toon Link and Twilight Princess Link, but alternate poses for them. That could be cool. Get like a 3D model of the cartoon one from the original NES box art. Yeah. That'd be really cool, Yeah, actually. Um, Do it, Nintendo. CDI Link Amiibo. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, you know, <laughs> they, boy. they did make it a point to point out even that the Zelda, not just Link, but the Zelda series Amiibo are the most popular in the West. Um, mm -hmm. So maybe yeah. they will run with that idea. I don't yeah. Know. So Smash Bros. DLC is, I think, next in line that we want to talk about. Of course, we have talked about Smash Bros. DLC a lot, but, you know, as for what they will announce here, I think it's safe to say we all think they'll announce something. Yeah, I imagine we'll get at least one character reveal. There's, yeah. it's, it's just too much hype to let it, you know, pass for yeah. the first Nintendo Direct in a long time. Uh, plus, for the holiday season, they need, you know, a big DLC boost. Um, I think at least one ballot character, maybe three, is is likely um i think i'd lean more toward one just because i can't imagine them starting work on all of these before the ballot right. even close they right. probably um, at least one or two though yeah but well they you know they could always say hey we were planning inklings but they don't need to know that we can say it was a ballot character <laughs> um same for like wolf for example i think wolf's actually a pretty good bet anyway i think probably three characters um stages of course some to coincide with the dlc characters i'm sure there's gonna be a newcomer uh, in a new stage. A Splatoon stage would be... Yeah. You know, especially if the, the Inklings are in as a character. Yeah, I think that's a really good bet, um, that it's going to be the Inklings. I think also there was the report a little while ago that Shovel Knight was in Smash, and that was supposed to be coming around the end of the year, like November-ish. So that's that's a possibility. Um, Has the Amiibo already hit? I don't remember. 
No, I didn't think not so. yet. But then new assist trophies is actually something I'm thinking about for maybe some characters that they said, hey, these guys are really popular. We can't just ignore these, but we don't want to make them playable characters. That'd be a really weird DLC move. I'd hope I'd hope it'd be. Oh, free. I don't mean as like, yeah, I mean like a, a free update. Yeah, that's that's I don't know if I'm predicting that. I don't know how much of all of this we're actually predicting but I think that's something that we can reasonably look forward to, if not from this direct, then from something in the future. Yeah, I know we were saying, you know, we hope it'd be free, but, you know, maybe they'd charge so they can pay Sakurai's health bills. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, Splatoon? More DLC, you mean? We've been playable waiting. Octolings? We've been Yeah, we've been waiting for playable Octolings for a while now, and they haven't quite gotten there, so... And we heard a while back that that was supposed to be something that they were going to hype up soon, so... Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think this is when we're going to hear about playable Octolings. I think this is going to be... Sp- and I think they're going to announce something about paid DLC for Splatoon, because the free stuff has been going so well, I can't imagine they're not going to... Once that sort of rope has run out, you know, they're going to keep going with some some paid stuff. Yeah, and I, and I might be alone in saying this, but I love paid more paid single-player content. I think for a game like Splatoon... I like the idea that the uh, multiplayer content is all free. I think that's a great model for a game like this. But at the same time, I wouldn't object to paying for more Splatoon. So I think that'd be mm-hmm. a good way to kind of monetize DLC. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think it's it's interesting that you point out Smells. Uh, I think it's interesting that you point out Smash DLC and Splatoon DLC as two likely things. Because the, the big way they're promoting Wii U this holiday season, as we said earlier, is with a Smash slash Splatoon bundle. So, yeah. you know, it'd be mm-hmm. a great way to say, you know, hey, you know, get this console, get these two amazing popular games for free. And also look at all this new content coming to them. Yeah. Right. And then that's also going to be a way that they can get those games into people's hands and then say, oh, but you've got to buy this DLC that's new. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little it's a little suspicious that they're giving these two games away for free with their Wii U's. <laughs> uh, what about Mario Maker? Do we think we'll get any DLC information from there? Maybe like slopes, maybe a new game skin? I hope we're not to the point that they're releasing paid DLC because, in my opinion, the game still isn't quite where it needs to be. Um, I agree. So. I didn't necessarily mean paid Well, DLC. I mean, we talk about DLC and Nintendo trying sure. to yeah. make bank on the holidays. Yeah. It's only true. natural. I think it's probably too soon after the, the last update to expect that they would announce another one this quickly. Yeah. All right. Hyrule Warriors Legends. Do we think we're going to hear anything about that? I think so. Yeah, you know, in Japan specifically, they said this is going to be about games coming out from now through the end of spring. So I, you know, I'd be surprised if we didn't hear a little something about it. And the West is way behind on Hyrule Warriors Legend news. Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah, we could hear just basically localization. Yeah, almost all of our news is just, you know, like fan translations of Famitsu articles. But, you know, we could also see some new characters, maybe. Um, I could see a trailer or two. Um, in particular, I'm thinking Groose because that's the obvious fan choice. Let loose the Groose. I'd be really surprised if he's not playable uh, by the time Hyrule Warriors Legends come out. And uh, Link L or Linkle or whatever the name of the female Link was that they scrapped in the development of the original Hyrule Warriors. Because as you guys know, that came out and the fans were like, oh my god, we wanted this so bad, whoa! And then uh, Koei Tecmo was like, well, yeah, maybe we'll revisit that. And then we saw the crossbow in all the promotional artwork. So I think it's a good bet that if we are seeing new characters, she's a good option, a good possibility. Good holiday, good time to reveal that. Yeah, and especially since, you know, with Zelda being delayed and a lot of people have been talking about that possibly being a feature that, Nintendo ought to include in the new Zelda game, this would be a good time to kind of test whether people really want that. 
Mario Tennis Ultra Smash? They'll talk about it. Will we care? About it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine they'll they'll have a little something for DLC, just because that game is so tiny. And also Amiibo new. costumes? They kind of need... Yeah, maybe. Like... Uh, there are some in a couple games, you know, we could see like Mario and Luigi or we could see like Amiibo Festival. Um, I think there are a couple ones that, that are ripe for hearing news about, like um, Shin Megami Tensei Crossfire Emblem. I um, always forget that this game is in development. It's, right? it's been going on for so long. And that, and that is another game where we're behind on news compared to Japan. So Yeah, yeah. Same with Fire Emblem Fates, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles, I'm sure they'll talk about. Um, you know, may, we could maybe, I'm sh- we'll probably see one or two little games like Pushmo or, you know, the kind of the Dr. Luigi of this year, mm-hmm. um, that not a lot of people care about, but is, is there if you want. Hey, I got Dr. Luigi. Um, hey, I got it too. It's okay. It's, it's okay. Um, and Star Fox Zero, probably. I think we'll see some new information about that, like a, a hefty chunk. Yeah, I imagine we'll get a, a trailer or something. I don't think we'll get a release date, just because in the last uh, investors report, it was it was listed as quarter one for North America and Europe, like they said when they delayed it. But for Japan, it was actually just listed as uh, spring, which you know suggests it might even release a little later in Japan. So I think they're they're they've still got a little polishing to do on that. We probably won't get a release date yet because they wouldn't want to commit to a window and then delay it again. Yeah. yeah. And speaking of release dates, I think when they're talking to us about games in November that aren't releasing until 2016, uh, historically it hasn't really been their habit to release, uh, give release dates for games that are beyond like January or something. Um, so I'm not really expecting a lot of new information on release sure. dates. Well, uh, that that's just about all I had to say. Do we think, uh, you know, Miyamoto said back in like uh, June or July that Pikmin Four was almost complete. Oh, Do you think they could surprise us and, right. and drop Pikmin Four so. on us? Yeah, I think that's um, yeah. Well, the question is then if if it's not for NX, perhaps. Mm. Well, right. Um, I imagine it's for Wii U though, just because. Well, why would like why would it be done development in July if it was for NX? Could be cross gen. Could be, but I don't know. I think I think we'll hear about it, and I think they're going to do a little mini line of amiibo to support it. Yeah, you know, with like each individual Pikmin, something like that. Maybe. I mean, I was thinking sort of maybe more along the lines of like Olimar, Brittany, Alf, Charlie, and then one of like a couple Pikmin. Oh, rock um, Pikmin. Sure. <laughs> I think one of each color. Like we saw an amiibo that had like three Pikmin on it before, alongside you know there was. Like when we saw the amiibo originally of Tom Nook and Toad, when we hadn't actually seen those amiibo, they were just in like promo silhouettes. Yeah. Those all eventually became real. So I think the three Pikmin one is going to, is going to happen too. Yeah. I'd imagine if they do that, it'd be the classic three, but who knows about the other types, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening. This is the end of Nintendo week for today. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to us on iTunes or subscribe to us on YouTube at Gamnesia TV for bite-sized discussions from the show. And please head to iTunes to leave us a review. It really helps with visibility, so we greatly appreciate it. We're still at 36. We haven't gotten new reviews in two weeks, guys. Please consider helping out if you haven't. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, if you have feedback for Nintendo week, please send it to Colin at Gamnesia.com or you can find me on Twitter at Colin McIsaac. And remember to send in your questions about Nintendo, about our show. We love engaging with you guys, and we read them and talk about them here on the show, so it's a great way to get involved. Again, that's Colin at Gamnesia.com, C-O-L-I-N, and at Colin McIsaac, C-O-L-I-N, M-C-I-S-A-A-C. Two A's. And you guys are not on Twitter very much, right? No. I'm a terrible human being. Step your game up. Listen to the listeners. 
Uh, if you can't wait till next week for more of our stuff, you can head to Gamnesia.com to see more gaming news as it happens. We've got Sony, Microsoft, Indie, you name it, and even Nintendo news that we didn't have the time to discuss on this week's show. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you enjoy uh, some some days, some days coming up. We hope you enjoy Nintendo Turkey Direct. Month, I guess. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Facebook stickers! I know it's... There's a siren. You had to time it that way, didn't you, Universe?